Good morning, Spirit Church. Come on, let's jump to our feet. How's everybody doing today? Enjoying that beautiful weather? All right, come on, let's worship the Lord today. All right, come on, let's sing. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory.
Lord. Can we give him a shout of praise this morning? Church say 
we'd like to invite our prayer team up to the front. If you have a need or a prayer, we'd love to connect with you this morning. As we go into this next song, can we just lift our voices and begin to thank him for everything that he's done for us. Come on, we praise you, Lord. We thank you, Father. You're so good. You're so worthy. Lift your voice this morning.
And nothing else And nothing else And nothing else will do I just want you And nothing else And nothing else Nothing else will do I just want you Nothing else, whoa, nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, Jesus. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else. Nothing else will do. Come on, declare this morning. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just want you. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else will do. I just. 
focus in on your presence more than the promise. Help us focus on having the relationship with you more than we care about what we get in return. Lord, help us to have an authentic encounter with your presence this morning that drives us to do the will of God in and throughout our weeks and every single day of our lives, Lord. Let us be founded upon you and you alone, God. Be our foundation today. That's the cry of our hearts, Jesus. We surrender everything unto you. Here at Spirit Church, we believe in the power of prayer, and we believe in the power of unity. So to continue in this moment of worship, would you join me in saying the Lord's Prayer this morning? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. If you believe we serve the one true king, let's give him a shout of praise this morning. He is worthy of it all. Amen. Amen. Hey, guys, we love you so much. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of this amazing Spirit Church family. Hey, go ahead, introduce yourselves to somebody around you, give them a fist bump, ask them if they've recovered after yesterday. I'm still in mourning, but we know God is greater than anything we can ever face, y'all. Come on now. Rebecca, and we're so glad you joined us for worship today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you a part of our family and we'd love to connect. If you're here in person, you can scan this QR code to fill out your Connect card or your new guest card. If you're joining us online, you can fill it out by going to spirit.church/connect or spirit.church/guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Pastor Jason and Robin would like to meet you in the Welcome Center after this service. They just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and thank you for being our guest today. If you're a guest, please don't feel any pressure to give, but if you would like to give, here are three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the comments area. You can give online at spirit.church give, or you can use our Church Center app. Spirit Church, thank you for being so generous so that we can reach the least, last, and the lost. And now, I've got a few announcements for you. There will be a youth bake auction on November 6th at 7 p.m. All the proceeds will go to Speed the Light and their project to build a youth sports facility. Love and Lumberjacks will be Friday, November 10th from 7 to 8.30. Wear your flannel, enjoy some dessert, and have a great date night with your spouse. Childcare will be provided birth to fifth grade for those that RSCP at spirit.church slash signup. Spirit Youth Friendsgiving will be next Sunday, November 12th from 5.30 to 7.30. There will be Thanksgiving dinner for everyone, so bring your friends. Spirit Church, thanks for listening. And now get out your message notes as we start our new series, Do You Believe in Miracles?
We're so excited that you're here with us this morning. Can we welcome everybody that's watching online? Thank you so much. You're a part of our church family, and we're glad to have you with us today. Many of you saw we're doing what's called Name Tag November, and if you didn't get a chance, there are name tags available in the commons. We just want to know your name, and we're tired of calling you sport and dude and buddy and hey girl, how you doing? So uh, all month November, there's going to be name tags set out when you come in. It's Name Tag November. You can put your name on, and then it's to help you too because there's that person that you've been dying to know what their name is, or that person's been calling you by the wrong name for two years. And you can say, no, that's not my name. Now, you say, well, where's your name? Well, Liz is wearing my name tag because it fell off. And so thanks, Liz and Steve, for taking care of me. My name tag wouldn't stick on my shirt. Uh, also, Love and Lumberjack, if you have your phone, you're authorized to pull it out right now. I don't normally tell you to do this in service, but the registration for that event closes at 7 o'clock tonight. So we have to have time to know how many uh, child care workers to have in place, how much dessert, how much coffee, but we want you to be here. So spirit.church slash sign up. Pull out your phone right now. I'm okay with it. Pull it out right now and make sure that you are signed up to be a part of that event. It's going to be so, so much fun, and we want you to be here this Friday starting at 7 o'clock. Today is also the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. Let me show you what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 3. It says this, Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. And there are people all around the world, here in the United States, but all around the world, who are persecuted daily for their faith. But we're so blessed here in our community that we have an organization like Voice of the Martyrs that responds to that need. I wanted to take just about 60 seconds and show you a quick video of some of the work that VOM is doing around the world. Watch this video. In Colombia, Rolo delivers Bibles and shares the gospel in guerrilla-controlled areas. Every time he leaves, he knows it's possible he will never come back. In Nigeria, Elizabeth and her five children are now on their own because her husband was brutally murdered for his Christian witness. And in China, Wang Yi is serving nine years in prison. His crime? Leading an unregistered church. These are just a few of the millions of persecuted Christians living and serving in the world's most dangerous places to follow Christ. For more than 50 years, the Voice of the Martyrs has served these bold and courageous believers through persecution response, Bible distribution, and support of frontline workers. You can be part of this global movement to support our persecuted Christian family around the world. Find out how at vom.org. I love how the end of that video says, Our family. Because people who are persecuted from their for their faith are no different from you and I except they're persecuted for their faith at a greater degree and a higher level than we are. There are family, there are brothers and sisters who around the world are living for Jesus, but they're living under very difficult contexts. That video is hard for me to show because it's sobering for me to think that had I been born in China instead of being born in the United States, I would be in prison for what I do. And it constantly challenges me Am I willing to pay the price. And I thank God for our brothers and sisters around the world who are willing to pay the price. And, and they don't necessarily want the suffering to end. They just want the name of Jesus to be exalted. They want people to find Christ as Savior and Lord 
just like we do. And so we're going to take just a minute today and we're going to pray for brothers and sisters around the world who are suffering persecution in places like Colombia, Nigeria, and China, and South America, all, uh, everywhere. I mean, the persecution is everywhere. And unfortunately, the persecution is ramping up even here in our nation. But today we're not going to focus on ourselves. We're going to focus on our family around the world. So if you're able, would you stand with me? And I know that it's, it's 9.57 and you didn't get that extra hour that you wish you would have gotten last night, but, but can we just pray our best prayer right now for our family around the world? Come on, lift your voice with me. Lord Jesus, we intercede right now on behalf of brothers and sisters around the world who are persecuted for their commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would encourage them. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would surround them and watch over them. We pray that you would place people like Voice of the Martyrs workers in their path that would help to not just alleviate suffer, suffering, but that would help to see the gospel go forth. I'm so thankful that VOM specializes in Bible distribution, that VOM is resourcing pastors and believers and discipling people around the world. God, we feel so united to these brothers and sisters. Our hearts are with them, and I pray that they would feel encouraged and strengthened. I pray that they would feel more committed to ever than ever to the cause of Jesus Christ. And as we pray as a church family each day, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven? The Bible says, blessed are you when men persecute you and revile you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake, for great is your reward in heaven. And though we don't work for a reward that is in heaven necessarily, we know that that reward in heaven represents souls being saved. That's the greatest reward of all. May it be done, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you'd stay standing, we're going to go to the In the Vault text. And it means probably more to me to say this than it does for you to hear this. But I just want you to know that we don't just pray. This is a check that's going in the mail tomorrow. It's support from Spirit Church to Voice of the Martyrs. So we just want to say that uh, this is probably a crude phrase, so forgive me. But we, we put our money where our mouth is. And so we're going to pray for persecuted believers. But we're also going to invest in ministries that are, that are helping. Thank you for praying. Continue to pray and go to, the, go to the website. There's so many resources and there's so many people in our church that serve at VOM. I can't have any of them come on stage because of security reasons, but we love and, and respect and appreciate all of you very much. So our new series this month is uh, Ask Us the Question, Do You Believe in Miracles? And this is our new In the Vault text. As you know, each month we focus on one verse that we try to memorize as a church family. Uh, I'm going to start, it's, if it's okay with you this morning, I'm going to say the first part of it. And then when I point at you, you, that's your cue to read it as loud and as enthusiastically as you can, okay? Okay, let's just test it out. Okay. Yeah, it was 8 o'clock version, but we'll go with it. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I want to direct your attention to those two words, infinitely more. I love the way the New Living translates this. We serve a God who can do infinitely 
more. Some translations say exceedingly and abundantly above what we could ask or think. And Jesus, that's who we're praying to this morning, is a God who can do infinitely more. I pray this morning as your word goes forth, you would challenge us, you would change us, you would make us more like you, that we would have audacious faith to believe in the God of whom we serve. This morning, as the word goes forth, would my voice not be heard? Would your Holy Spirit come in instead? Would you fill this house? Would you fill our hearts? Would you speak uniquely, specifically, individually to each of us exactly what you want us to hear? We praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. Last Friday, I was traveling home. I had been at my mom's house with my mom, my grandparents, my brother, his wife, my niece, and nephew. And I was, I was flying home, and I got a text message alert on my phone that said, your flight has been delayed. And it turned out that the, 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 the delay of my flight would cause me to get home late and ultimately would make me miss the grocery giveaway on Saturday, and I wanted to be here for that. So I got on the phone with the airline. We were able to move up my flight to an earlier flight, but I had to change airports. I had to travel to a totally different airport to get on the plane to come home. So we, we rushed around quickly. Mom helped me. got all my stuff gathered up, got me to the airport, got through security, had about 25 minutes before the plane boarded. So got on the plane and thought, man, here we go. And wouldn't you know, we got on the plane, we pushed back from the gate and the captain said, well, we're going to sit here for just a minute. Give us another five or 10 minutes and then we're going to get this plane up and off the ground. And we waited 45 minutes in total. And he told us three different times, give me five or 10 minutes and I'll get this plane up off the ground. The good news was that the trip was worth it because when I got here, Robin was here. And that's always makes every trip worth it. And I got to the grocery giveaway on time. But I say all that to say this, give me five or 10 minutes this morning because it's going to take a minute for me to get the plane off the ground. Once we do, the trip's going to be worth it, okay? Because we're answering this question, do you believe in miracles? And as we teach on the topic of miracles, we're going to base everything we say on Scripture because the Word of God is always our starting point. And we are going to study how God chose to do miracles through Elisha in the Old Testament and the miracles that Jesus performed in the New Testament. What we want to do is see God's heart for miracles and understand the supernatural nature of the God we serve. My goal as pastor of this church is to increase or to raise the level of our biblical literacy. And we want to take a comprehensive approach to the study of miracles. And how many know you can't just pull one verse from here and combine it with a verse over here. You have to look at the full, what we call the canon of scripture. But to look at the full canon of scripture would take a really long time. And I know because the time change, I get to preach an extra hour. Right, So I have more time to do that, but I figured you probably don't want to be here that long. So to study all the miracles in Scripture would take too long. Instead, we're going to look at how God chose to use Elisha in the Old Testament and the miracles of Jesus in the New Testament. There, there's some other similarities between Elisha and Jesus. The name Elisha means God is salvation. The name Jesus means Yahweh will save. Both Elisha and Jesus saw their ministries begin at the Jordan River, Elisha saw Elijah taken into heaven, and Jesus was baptized at the Jordan River. Both of them saw the heavens opened. Elisha saw the heavens opened as Elijah went up on a chariot of fire. Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters of the Jordan River, and the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. 
Elisha followed Elijah, a powerful prophet of God, a great leader who was used of God. God did eight miracles through Elijah while he was here on this earth. He called down fire on Mount Carmel. He was able to speak and stop and then start rain. He brought a boy back to life. And right before Elijah was taken from this earth, Elijah asked, may I have a double portion of your spirit, of your anointing rest upon me? And as you look at the life of Elisha, he saw 16 miracles in his lifetime, exactly double the amount that Elijah did. Elisha, in other words, was the next Elijah. And people thought that Jesus was the next John the Baptist, or the next Elijah. In Matthew chapter 16, in verse number 13, Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. People thought this, because like Elisha, Jesus was doing amazing miracles. Blinded eyes were being opened. Body parts were being healed. Multitudes of people were being fed with hardly anything to start with. People who were possessed by demons were being delivered. Miraculous provision was appearing as Jesus spoke things into existence. So to answer the question, do we believe in miracles, we have to start with the simple question, what is a miracle? Well, this week, the Texas Rangers won the World Series. So there are miracles that still happen today because my whole life I've waited for that moment and it finally happened. And now it's just the blessed Dallas Cowboys, but it's probably not going to happen. You know, definitions of a miracle range from an occurrence that cannot be explained by our current understanding of medical science to an event that appears inexplicable by the laws of nature and is therefore held to be supernatural. If you boiled it down, a miracle is an act of God. It's something that wouldn't happen unless God intervenes, that can't occur unless God caused it to happen. And I want to give you three principles of miracles right from the start this morning. We're going to talk about these principles every week throughout this series. Number one, miracles happened throughout Scripture. Number two, miracles still occur today. Number three, the greatest miracle of all is salvation. In the Bible, there's 120 recorded miracles. So we see miracles all throughout Scripture. That can't be refuted. That can't be denied. It's there. In fact, it's funny to me as I was researching this. They can't even decide how many miracles Jesus did. There's disagreement on, on how many things he did and what's considered miraculous and what's just considered normal. Isn't it amazing that we serve a Jesus that everything that he does is considered supernatural and miraculous and wonderful? That happened throughout Scripture. But miracles still occur today. Last week, our guest speaker, Stephen Pavic, he talked about being in western Alaska. And I don't know if you remember the story, but he talked about having that youth camp where he really felt God impressing him that he was supposed to go and fill a need out there on the tundra. He said this phrase that day. He said, we felt like we were living in the book of Acts. And that really stuck with me because I've studied and read the book of Acts, and there's some crazy amazing things that happened in the book of acts they would take handkerchiefs that had touched people and lay them on people and, and they would be healed the shadow of disciples would pass over people and they would instantly their 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 bodies would be completely restored so as as tucker and i were driving him to the airport last sunday i said tell me more like what happened and he said well we were in western alaska and we had rented 
like a circus tent and we had shipped it out there and they had set up the tent there just in the middle of nowhere, just in the tundra so we'd at least have a place to gather underneath for the services. He said, we were praying for this little girl and she was colorblind and all of a sudden she looked up and she could tell which stripes were red and which stripes were white. And he said that little girl spent the rest of her time at camp going around and seeing colors she had never seen before in her life. Now, if you're colorblind, I can't think of a better place for God to heal you than Alaska or Hawaii. I mean, right? And God heals her right there in Alaska and completely restores her sight. So he didn't just do it in the Bible. He's still doing miracles today. But the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. It's the fact, the reality that we were lost and dead in our sins, that we were on our way to eternal death and Jesus provided eternal life. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 probably says it better than any place in the Bible. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So God has already provided us with the greatest miracle ever, salvation through Jesus Christ. But sometimes God doesn't do what we would have considered miraculous here on earth. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer or heal our body or provide for our need. Sometimes we get disappointed by God's perceived inactivity or God's response of no when we think he should have said yes. If the greatest miracle ever is salvation, then when God doesn't do what we've asked for or hoped for or prayed for, it doesn't mean that God is incapable of providing it. It doesn't mean that we stop believing in or for impossible things. And it surely doesn't mean that we quit trusting in God or we turn our backs on Him. It means that God has a different or a better plan for us and for our good. Isaiah 55 says it way better than I ever could, but in this passage, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Again, there are times that God chooses not to do the miracle in the way we wanted him to do the miracle. And this side of heaven, we probably won't understand that, but we still know, we still trust, we still believe that he is a miracle-working God. I've been reading a book called Miracles Are For Real by Jim Garlow. He pastors in California, used to pastor in Texas, and he says these words, um, he says, people still believe despite what scientists and the academic community would tell us, despite constant pain and suffering all around us, despite our own struggles through personal wildernesses of doubt and faith, most of us still believe in God, in prayer, and in heaven touching earth. We still believe, and I, and I would counter his thinking there just a little bit, and I would say, if we don't believe, we still want to believe. We want to believe. And so we're going to study God, we're going to study his ways, we're going to study his miracles, and we're going to try to know God more fully. Our In the Vault text says that God can do infinitely more than we can ask or think, and so we're going to read and learn what that actually means. We're going to look at four categories 
of miracles throughout this month. We've discovered these categories after we noted how God chose to use Elisha in the Old Testament, and we compared those miracles with the way that Jesus performed miracles while he was here on earth in the New Testament. And we know that these aren't the only four categories, but these categories help us to understand and to process miracles, and they give us a way of looking at miracles that help miracles make more sense to us. So today I'm going to introduce you to the first category of miracles. Can you feel it? The plane's finally starting to get off the runway here. It's miracles of redemption. And that's what we're going to talk about today, miracles of redemption. And the word redemption is just a fancy word that means exchange, to trade one thing for another. It's like when you redeem a coupon. You, you give up or surrender the coupon, and in return you get a dollar amount or a percentage amount off the item that you're trying to purchase. So years ago, my beautiful wife sent me to Bath and Body Works. Now, I don't care what you think. It makes me smell good. And in the wintertime, my hands crack a lot. And so I have to use body lotion. What I did not know was that Bath and Body Works sells body lotion, body cream, and body butter. I have never and will never use body butter. Where's the camera? I will never put body butter on my body. There's enough butter in my body. I don't want butter on my body. But I use body lotion because it smells good. And Robin likes me better because she says, if you can't look good, at least smell good. And I have trouble looking good, so I try to smell good. So I took my coupon to Bath and Body Works. And I went in and picked out my favorite fragrance of body lotion. And I set the lotion and the coupon on the counter. And it was going to give me dollars off of my purchase. And the kind, friendly person that was working said, this is for body cream, not body lotion. What's the difference? Well, I happened to have two pharmacists that attended the 8 o'clock service, and afterwards they met me in the commons to inform me that the difference between a cream and a lotion is the amount of water that one puts into the substance. <laughs> Who cares? I just needed a discount on my lotion. I don't care how much water it has in it. Just give me three bucks off and let me leave. It's taken all of my manhood to come to Bath & Body Works to begin with, and now you're making me struggle to get $3 off something that's overpriced to begin. It makes me feel better to tell the story. The point of the story is that I left Bath and Body Works that day frustrated because I didn't get the exchange I wanted. But when we talk about miracles of redemption, Jesus never leaves us frustrated or disappointed with the exchange. It's always something better for what we, than what we began with. And through the Old Testament ministry of Elisha and the New Testament work of Jesus, we're going to see miracles of redemption, some exchanges that were made. And what's so cool about these stories today is that both times the exchange was floating for sinking. I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 6 if you have your Bible. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse number 4. Let me give you some context to the story. Elisha was a prophet. We've, we've set that stage. But he wasn't the only prophet. There were many people who were prophets, enough that they needed a place to meet for prayer and for teaching and for training. What, what they were actually called was the school of the prophets, where these men and women would come together to learn from Elisha, Elisha and to be trained 
for ministry, but so many people were coming that they needed a bigger building, a bigger meeting place, and so they went to the Jordan River to cut logs and to build a new meeting location. And the Bible says that Elisha went with them, and when they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees. But as one of them was cutting a tree, his axe head fell into the water. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. So what we understand from this story is that the top part of the axe came flying off, and most likely it wasn't when he was cutting, it was when he took the backswing, and it was on that backswing that somehow the axe head came loose, and it fell into the river. Now the word fell actually means to cast or to throw down. So we think about casting a fishing line into the water. He almost cast the axe head into the Jordan River. It was also made of iron, which meant that the axe head was rare and the axe head was valuable. But the third principle of it is, he said, sir, it was a borrowed axe. And if you look at the original language, that word borrowed would actually mean more like it was begged. Like I couldn't afford it and so I had to beg my friend to let me borrow this axe. So problem number one is I can't keep working on this new building because the axe head is in the water. Problem number two is I can't afford to pay him back for his iron axe head because I'm too poor to even have one myself. And so here he is in a really difficult situation. Second Kings chapter 6 and verse number 6, here's how Elisha responds. Where did it fall? The man of God asked. And when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said, and the man reached out and he grabbed it. Now how awesome is it that that God, through Elisha, made something that should have sunk to float. That through God, Elisha was able to exchange the natural properties of an iron axe head for the supernatural ability for that axe head to float. I'm not smart in physical science or any of those things, and so I had to do a lot of research on this, and basically the bottom line is this. Iron doesn't float, and the reason iron doesn't float is because it is more dense than water. But the greater principle than the fact that iron doesn't float is the principle that God does infinitely more than we think, and he causes things that should sink to float. In other words, he redeems sinking for floating. And just like Elisha, Jesus also made a sinking thing float. But it wasn't an axe head. It was a person, and his name was Peter. And I want you to go to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14, we're going to start in verse 24. Let me give you context of this story as well. Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And we're going to talk about that story more in depth next week. But Jesus feeds the 5,000. He tells the disciples, we need to go to the other side of the lake. We need to go get some rest. You guys go ahead of me. I'm going to go spend some time in prayer. And the Bible tells us he goes up into the hills and he spends time in prayer. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. At about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Now, if we're being honest... Who would not be scared at this moment? It's 3 o'clock in the morning, first of all. You're in the middle of the lake. The wind and the waves are crashing your boat, and Jesus is nowhere to be found. And when you look up, 
you see a ghost coming towards you. Now, verse 28, if you'll turn there, here's Jesus walking toward them. Matthew 14, 28, Peter called, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. And before we read the rest of the passage, I always just want to ask Peter, is that the best thing you could have thought of in that moment? Jesus, if it's really you, wave. Or tell us where you're from. Jesus, if it's really you, who won the World Series in 2023? The Texas Rangers did. I mean, but he says, no, if it's you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Never would have occurred to me to ask Jesus to do that, but that's the way Peter's brain worked in that moment. Yes, come, Jesus says. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? Elisha makes an iron axe head float. Jesus makes a man float. Iron doesn't float, and people don't float either. If you've jumped off a diving board or you've been in a swimming pool, you understand this principle. We don't float. We're not created to float, but God does infinitely more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And Jesus redeemed, he exchanged Peter's sinking, scared, drowning self for floating. And Jesus didn't do that just to show how cool he was. He did that so that people would recognize, especially his disciples, who he was and what he could do. He did that so that they would see that Jesus is the Redeemer. That when you are drowning, Jesus can rescue you. And if you look at the next verse of Scripture, Matthew 14, 32, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. And we miss this part of the miracle sometimes. That The miracle is, yes, that Jesus and Peter were walking on water. But the second miracle is that once Jesus got in the boat, the wind stopped blowing. He not only commands the natural laws of not being able to walk on water, he commands the winds and the waves just by his presence. And we're studying the miracles that he can do. And we're talking about the miracle of redemption. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus is our redeemer and that salvation is the greatest miracle of all. And salvation says that we were sinking, that we were drowning in our sins. And Jesus caused us to float. Like Peter, when we were going under the water, he reached down to where we were and he redeemed us from our drowning Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13, the Bible says it this way, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He exchanged his sinless life and took our sin and suffering and shame upon him. He became a curse for us. As it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. He became the curse. That was his exchange, his perfect sinless life for ours. And that truth is still celebrated and remembered today in some very profound ways. If we were to be in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil right now and stand at the foot of Mount Corcovado, we would look up and we would see a base that stands 26 feet tall and a statue that stands 98 feet tall on top of it and outstretched arms spanning 92 feet wide. And this statue is more than a tourist attraction. It's called Christ the Redeemer. And it's a reminder that Jesus made the greatest exchange ever. 
that he redeemed us. And throughout the Bible, we see his supernatural birth. We see his powerful life, his brutal death, and his glorious resurrection. And we're reminded not just through statues, but daily through so many ways that Christ redeemed us. I know the picture is beautiful, but we're going to take it off the screen for a second and show you the next verse, Colossians 1.13. For the Father has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Jesus redeemed us. Mark 10.45, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life. As a ransom for many, he exchanged his for ours. He redeemed us. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Instead of dying, instead of suffering the eternal consequences of sin, he redeemed us and said, I'm making you mine. It's the greatest miracle of all. And we say it all the time, but I don't think we really have the context to understand it. If he never did anything else, he's already done more than enough. He's our redeemer. He's made the greatest exchange ever. Would you bow your head with me for a moment? I want to ask you a simple question. Are you sinking? Are you sinking? Are you sinking under the weight of anxiety, stress, and depression? Are you sinking because you're overwhelmed? You're fearful? You have doubts? Are you sinking because there's been a diagnosis or a negative word or a bad review or a loss of trust? Are you sinking because Your faith has taken another blow and it seems like God isn't who he should be or said he can be. Are you sinking? I think it's interesting that when the iron axe head sunk, Elisha told the man, go reach out and grab it. And when Peter was sinking, Jesus reached out and grabbed him. And this morning, if you're sinking, you need to know that Jesus is reaching out to rescue you from your sinking. He causes things that should sink to float. Before we go any further, I want to ask you, would you just pray a simple prayer? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? Just make that your prayer right now, and let's take about 30 seconds and listen to the voice of God for a minute. first and the best step. He's the only one that can rescue you. He's the only one that can redeem you. And the good news is he's already done the work. He's already made the exchange. All you have to do is reach out and take hold of his hand. 
that has already been extended to you. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I don't want to embarrass you. I won't embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. And if maybe you said yes to Jesus at one point, but you've had decisions or consequences or circumstances in your life that have caused you to maybe walk away from the Lord and you're not living with Him or for Him in the way that you know you should, today would be a great day to to reach out that hand toward Him. Again, I won't embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. If that's you, if you need to say yes to Jesus this morning, would you just lift up your hand and, and maybe even try to make eye contact with me so I know where you are and and who I'm praying with this morning. I want to thank you for being courageous this morning and doing that. I want to thank those of you who are watching online. You can just put the word yes in your text box and just let us know that, yes, Jesus is your Savior, that you're saying yes to Him today. What the Bible says is that if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. That if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So lifting your hand or putting yes in your chat box is that moment of belief, but now there's that confession. And it's the first of many prayers that we need to pray as we walk through this life with the Lord. I want to invite everybody, not just those who lifted a hand, not just those who said yes, everybody to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Help me to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as we stay in this attitude of worship and prayer, I want to invite everyone who can, would you please stand all across this room? And if you could keep your head bowed for just a second, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked just a couple of moments ago. Are you sinking? Are you sinking? Because saying yes to Jesus is a great first step. But once we say yes to Jesus, we know that there are still going to be time when the winds and the waves blow, when we're out in the middle of the lake and it's 3 o'clock in the morning and we're scared. But the Jesus who came walking towards his disciples in their moment of need is the Jesus that is walking towards you right now. And if you're sinking, he causes things that should sink to float. And if you reach out your hand to him, both physically and in a spiritual sense, his hand has already been extended to you and he's pulling you up out of it. If that's you this morning, would you just begin to lift your hand almost symbolically to him and allow, just feel, I pray that you feel it right now, that his hand is reaching down and he's grabbing you and he's pulling you out of the water. And where you couldn't breathe and where you were struggling to stay above, he's pulling you up out of that. He says, don't focus on the situation or circumstance around you. Fix your eyes on me. Hold tight to my hand. I'll pull you out of the water. I'll rescue you. You're more valuable than an iron axe head. You're more rare and more precious than something like that. You're more important to me. I'm rescuing you. Begin to thank him right now. If you've got your hand lifted and he's rescuing you, just begin to thank him. Thank him that you're not sinking any longer. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You're causing us to walk on water. 
you've already saved us. You've already done more than enough. But now you've not only saved us, you've pulled us out of that which was trying to, to drown us. We praise you for that. If you raised your hand or not, all across this room, could we just begin to give him thanks for who he is? You're the God of redemption. You made the greatest exchange ever. When we say Christ the Redeemer, it's more than a statue. It's a reality. It's a truth that you are our Redeemer. And we thank you and we worship you. We praise you for that. Thank you for redemption. As we close this morning, I'd like to pray a prayer of a blessing over you. If you'd like, you can lift your hands towards heaven. And I pray that the Lord bless you and protect you, that the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you that the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful week.